Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. This week we watched Ghostbusters, directed by Paul Feig and released in 2016. The plot of the movie goes something like this. Following a ghost invasion of Manhattan, paranormal enthusiasts Aaron Gilbert and Abby Yates, nuclear engineer Gillian Holtzman, and subway worker Paddy Tolan band together to stop the otherworldly threat. Um, this is movie that's currently on at the cinemas um so if you want to go see it go see it and then listen to the podcast because we will be talking spoilers oh boy will we i'm so excited <laughs> literally bouncing. so excited i've i didn't have much in the way of expectations for this movie i was like oh it's probably not going to be that exciting whatever i just want to go and see it a lot of times so i can you know because stupid idiots on the Pissed internet off the mras yeah but anyway, I was like, yeah, whatever, it'll be fine. And then I have now seen it twice in three days and I'm just so excited. Like, it was so fun. Mm. I, it's not without its faults. It's not perfect. But it was so much fun. The spirit, the teamwork, the friendship, just even the just the way it all came together and the people and the funny life. It was just so much fun. I had so much fun. And I don't think I'm alone in that because I've now been to two screenings with kids and both times, kids have gotten up and danced through the uh, the closing credits. And they were pretty well behaved in both in in the screening mm. we went to today too. They weren't like bored. They weren't distracted. They weren't getting up mm. and doing other things. They were watching the movie. Um, yeah, no, I I really enjoyed this movie. Um, it was really fun. I think more than anything else, there's kind of a, a spirit that buoys this movie of like camaraderie and fun and you know good humor and stuff mm. like that. That I think make is what makes the movie work. Mm. Um. There's also some like aesthetic things that I really like about it. I love the neon colors and and the brightness of it and all that sort of stuff. Mm. I think it's really fun. Um and and the the costuming and and all that sort of thing really works well. Um especially for Gillian Holtzman, she's fantastic. She's just so cool. Mm. Uh yeah. Like I have a crush on her in this movie. Um Yeah, and her so great. amazing hair that's a reference to the comics and yeah, she's so good. I thought it was a reference to the cartoon. Oh, the cartoon. Sorry, I didn't mean the comics. I meant the cartoon. Yeah. Um so yeah, she's great. Um, I do think there were some flaws with the movie, not the ones that people seem to think it has, but there are some flaws with the movie. Uh, it, it is kind of, it's, I felt like it was a bit choppy. Like my, that was my major problem with it. It kind of, it gets started kind of slow and then it builds up quite quickly at the end, but it, it feels like there's some bits that are cut for me. Mm. I could, I could feel the bits that were cut out of the movie. Like there's some scene changes that don't feel like natural scene changes. Mm. And especially there's a bit at the end where they all get arrested, but then it cuts immediately to Erin sitting in her room in a butt, in a robe, reading her book. Yeah. And I'm sure that at that point there's a bit cut that where she quit temporarily. Yeah. I'm, I'm positive or like said, I have to take a break or something because all the other guys are back at work. Mm -hmm. And one of my favorite scenes happens where Abby gets, um, gets, um, possessed. Mm -hmm. I loved that whole bit. That was great. But like, there, there's no explanation for why Aaron's not there with them. And I think it's because she quit because everybody doesn't believe them and they're calling them quacks and everything. And that's what she went through when she and was she's a kid. She's already given all up the, her tenure track job. And yeah, all the like characterization is leading you to that point. To take that out feels like kind of a blow. It just doesn't feel right. And then she has a, a triumphant return. Mm. There's no triumphant return unless she leaves. Yeah. So I didn't I, – I kind of felt those bits like and, – and undermining the integrity of the story. Yeah. And when she does come back as well, just before that, there's this amazing 1920s era Thanksgiving Day parade. And it's beautiful. Like it, it reminds me of a Tim Burton film. It's got all these sort of creepy old balloons and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it looks amazing and it sounds amazing. but 
I believe it's as a result of Chris Hemsworth, well, Rowan as Chris Hemsworth, saying I'm going to send this city back in time. Mm. But it's never properly explained. So he says something. All the buildings change to like 1920s era signage. And then that parade goes past, but we never un- didn't quite understand what was going on there. Right. I feel like what they should have done was establish him as somebody who wants things to go back to the way they were so that, you know, women were put in their place. And mm. like that's what yeah, it feels like that, they're going line, for with that character. But Melissa McCarthy has a line about we let the world the way it is. Yeah. And that would make a lot more sense because and he's got wearing the old school uniform and in the old hotel and all that kind of stuff. That would make sense. I feel like they they can yeah, I feel like that's where it was heading towards, but it didn't get there. Mm. Like, just have him be somebody who's like, I want the world to go back to how it was. I don't like the way the world is now because nobody respects me and I'm a genius and mm. I see the world the way nobody else does and all that sort of stuff. I feel like they should have just – and I feel like a lot of the times this movie didn't push as far as it could have. Um, I know it's PG rated and I feel like maybe Paul, Feig, Paul Feig's humor works better um, – when it's not PG rated yeah. and it's not restrained um, like that. Uh, I mean, my favorite Paul Feig movie is Spy. I love Spy. I really love mm. Spy. Um, and I feel like that had a much better understanding of the movies that it was kind of spoofing and stuff. Mm. This one doesn't really have much of a horror sensibility about it except for the very beginning. Um, but yeah, the, the I mean, it's a hard line to walk because they have to make it PG because this was such, yeah, I know, such a that's the thing friendly is that movie. 80s, 80s PG was so much harder than it is now. Like 80s PG oh, yeah. was like poltergeist. Well, so I watched the original Ghostbusters last weekend and, and Ghostbusters too. And some of the stuff they talk about in there, like she, well, um, what Sigourney about the Weaver. ghost giving him a blowjob in the library? Yeah, ghost gives him a blowjob. But also Sigourney Weaver says, I want when she's possessed by Zool, says, I want you inside me. They would yeah. never get away with that now. That's exactly it. I think PG is is means something different now to what it meant in the 80s. And that's part of the problem. Because, I mean, in the 80s, you've got like, Lost Boys and I think even Fright Night was PG and like those those um, monster uh, mm. monster what is it called monster damn I can't remember anyway the movie about the kid monster hunters and stuff mm. it's really um it they they were much scarier there were a lot of scary kids movies in the eighties so like now it's got to be a lot safer and I think that kind of hamstrung the movie a little bit it wasn't too much of a problem though yeah I just well, felt like sometimes. The even the actors were holding back a bit, you know. Yeah, you oh, well, you get the way just in their lines, you hear you hear them hold back a little bit. I think much like the original, there's a fair bit of improvising going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, they you you hear them like hold themselves back in their language. Mm-hmm. Um, I did notice a little bit of that, but I, I also thought I kind of I'm happy that this is available to the broadest possible audience. I am too, and and if that's what they have to do to get that out to kids, then that's fine. Um, because like kids, I'm so I was so surprised how much. The kids I've seen in screenings are enjoying it. Yes. The, we went to it this afternoon and there were two kids sitting in front of us who like were dancing in their chairs fairly as just the credits started and then eventually went down the front and danced all the way through the credits. And when I went to see it last night, um, next sitting next to us was a group of like four probably tween boys, probably about like 12, 13-year-old boys. Anyway, they're at the movies by themselves all in a group going to see this movie. So firstly, I was like, oh, my God, yay, boys who are on their own at the movies are choosing to go and see this because that's what they want to see. Mm-hmm. And then they danced out of the cinema through the credits. Like tw- these middle-grade kids and they actually danced in public in, out of the cinema because they were so excited. So kids love this. And I think that's th- that tween audience is absolutely who these movies should be for. I just think that we tend to underestimate that tween audience. Mm. Um, I think that they can handle like scarier things 
not necessarily more violent, but just spookier, scarier. You know, so like that that first horror bit was good for this age group and I think they can push it to that kind of level and have like an actually scary thing happening and some actual stakes without it yeah. being too much for them. Yes. Um although I do notice that it is actually not that much different in that sense from original Ghostbusters. Yeah, original but I'm, Ghostbusters I'm trying has, not to compare it to No, much I know I'm to trying not to but I mean in terms of of scary bits, because the the bit in the library, they do that sort of horror suspense stuff really well. And then I think there might be one other scene like that. And I think there's not – I don't think they do a lot of that either. Mm. I think that's probably not – there's like a – it's like a tiny, tiny bit of scary. Yeah. I I, I'm just trying to make – look at this movie as it is like on its own. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And and I think that making a little bit scarier would up the stakes and make it a little bit more exciting. Mm-hmm. That's that's how I feel about this movie. Um, and, and that kind of choppiness it, – it, there's a kind of choppiness of tone as well. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I think the humor is really good, especially I think the when all of them are together, it works really well, um, especially with C- Chris Hemsworth. He is just having a <laughs> blast in this movie and it comes across really well. Like yeah. he, It's just so sweet. And then the, there's this bit at the end. I mean, he's so dumb and he's so terrible at his job. But there's a bit where, where when, when Rowan possesses him and they go, you big bully, get out of Kevin, leave Kevin alone. <laughs> it's really cute. He they're just so learned protective. how to use the phones. Yeah. yeah. They're so protective of him. It's really adorable. Yeah. And I like that kind of role reversal stuff. Mm. Plus, Chris Hemsworth leading the dancing was just brilliant amazing. in the credits. Just amazing. Oh, he looks like he's having so much fun. Yeah. Like, he, like he's like decided that these people let him hang out with them. Exactly. And I think all the stuff with when he like – puts his finger through the the, the glass mm, mm. like because he doesn't have any glass in them every time that happened I laughed me too um me too every time and I, and I, this is not my first time through I couldn't stop he's so funny I'm trying to remember the bit that I laughed at that nobody else was laughing at that I laughed for like a good 30 seconds it was in one of the battle scenes and I think it's something that Holtzman does but I laughed for like a th- for 30 seconds I was just cracking up and everybody was silent and I was like that was so funny mm. um with my weird little sense of humor, but yeah, Holtzman. Oh yeah, no, works. I remember that. It was something that was very much your sense of humor yeah, as well. It was. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it's one of those like slightly weird things that happens that like make makes me really laugh really hard. I liked. I really liked the relationships between Holtzman and Patty, mm. and then Abby and Aaron. And I like how everybody kind of had relationships with each other. Like Abby, Abby and Aaron, or I mean, Abby and and Holtzman also had their own thing going on and stuff. But mm-hmm. I liked that, like. Those two in particular kind of friendships yeah. were fun. Yeah, I like that as well. And um, and Holtzman, of course, sees Erin and starts flirting with her straight away, which I thought was a cute it's little cute. relationship to have as well. I really liked the team. I mm. really liked that everybody in the team felt like – it felt like they all deserved to be there. They all had their own different roles that they played and everybody has their own like – big hero moment or a really good reason to be part of the team. There's no one no one who feels like they shouldn't be there. And I'm sorry to harp back on the original, but I saw it last week. But Winston in the original, I oh, yeah. he's really, really been added in as a token character mm-hmm. and he does not get nearly enough to do and he's not nearly enough of value. I did not feel this in this movie about any of them. They all felt like they should have been there. And it was yeah. the right thing to be. And I feel like they, they kind of, they almost made a point of it with Patty where she in, injects herself, inserts herself into the mm. group and she's like, you guys need me. But then she actually proves that they but need she her. She does. They do need her. And she is very useful, but she also kind of fits in well with them mm-hmm. and, uh, and gets them to be a little bit more kind of thinking outside Street the box smart. and stuff. Yeah. I thought that was great, but she's also kind of sensible and she gets to be her own person. Yeah. 
Um, and she's a good counterpoint to Holtzman, who's just kind of bonkers. Yeah, she's um, she's quite practical. Yeah. Um, even compared to the other two, because you can sort of see at the start that Abby's character's gone a bit bonkers because she's only been around Holtzman and she kind of needs Erin. And then they also need Patty to kind of balance the whole group. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think Abby and Holtzman being together by themselves is probably not the best. No, thing. no, they're bonkers. Um, but that introduction scene was fun. How you uh, doing? <laughs> no, it was not how you doing. Come here often. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, that was really fun. Um, I, I, I really liked the scenes with the ghosts. I've been seeing a lot of things that said this relies too much on CG, but I was like, but I'd like more stuff with the ghosts, to be honest. I feel like they could have established a little more of what I, – I couldn't understand the rules of the ghosts. <laughs> I couldn't understand. Yeah, like, like who got red there, eyes. There's and, no, yeah. there's no, but not just that. There's no kind of concrete, oh, this is what ghosts can do. This is what ghosts can't do. Mm. Like, why is it that, that they can do certain things and they can't do certain things? And, and, um, why do we get a mythical they, creature at one point and then humans at other points? Right. That stuff. I, I, and I don't think they answer that. I mean, I know the original one did the same thing. I just, I would like to know for me. Why certain rules are in place? How come um, Rowan and Kevin can get everybody to dance, but he doesn't do that to the four main characters? Mm. Why? Well, I think the idea is that they that the ghosts get more powerful and become more corporeal over the course of the. But thing. that doesn't explain why he can like like mind control. But a they, whole and bunch they of also people. bring ley lines into this, which I haven't is not part of Ghostbusters lore that I'm familiar with. It's part of fantasy lore that I'm familiar with. But then they bring all the – and then there's magic in there as well, and I'm not sure how that all fits in with it. And maybe that's why Kevin – so Rowan as Kevin can control them and make them all dance. Right, but they don't – they need to tell us. I, I yeah. just feel like they – even it's if not it's explained, just no. like babble, they need to tell us why things work the way that they do so that I have an understanding of what the rules are so that I understand when they're in a fight – how the fight is going to so, function. Yeah. So, like, because they, yeah. they just blow up ghosts instead of, like, trapping them. And you're like, does There's, that work? And the trapping is only that happens, what happens? The trapping only happens once, and then they've got, like, tools to kill the ghosts with. Like, but how does that work? Right. Um, yeah, Explain no, I actually that think, stuff to us. Yeah, I, I'm actually starting to see what the problem is here. The problem is that Paul Feig is an excellent comedy director, and he's let the comedy moments, he's tried to get these really good comedy moments, which is why it starts off slower, because we get a lot of character stuff, a lot mm-hmm. of comic moments, a lot of... I think improv stuff as well. And he's, cause he's so good at that stuff and he's more comfortable in that space. He's, oh, that's a lot. That's like the better part of the movie, but it's also, there's, he does, has, means he hasn't really given enough thought to the action stuff. Like, I don't think he's quite as used to working in yeah, genre. And Katie Dippold as well. Yeah. She's an SNL yes. writer, I think. Yeah, but she also wrote Spy and The Heat. Yeah. Um, and she's worked on they're, they're Brooklyn clearly, Nine-Nine. They're clearly better at the cop things and the spy things than, yeah. than the fantasy yeah, stuff. Yeah, so they don't really fully get that in fantasy or sci-fi, you do have to do the psychobabble to explain things a lot more, and I don't think they're quite... Yeah, and mark? there was somebody I, – I read this somewhere that Dan Aykroyd really believes in ghosts and stuff. Oh. And, um, like, so a lot of the stuff in the first movie feels very kind of real. It feels like – I mean, it, it doesn't feel real in the sense of feeling real, but it, sense, it feels organic to that universe that, like, all of these things have rules and are in place mm. and, like, you can't cross the streams is an important yeah, well, there's, and there's a heap of not, and that's not the only psycho babble. I'm uh, sorry, sci, sci sci-fi babble. Yeah, that they talk about like don't yeah, don't cross the streams is important. And there's a bit in this one where they're getting the ghost in, they're trapping the ghost to the concert, 
and, and techno babble, I think, is what we're going techno for. Techno babble, that's the word I'm looking for. But they trap the ghost at the concert. And I'm like, those proton streams will hit those people. I don't see how this is working, like to bring that ghost into that box. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, to be fair, that happened in the first one too. Like you, you proton streams go everywhere and just like there's no way that's not hitting somebody. But it didn't I really liked that dick joke in this one too, the the <laughs> the coming joke where the, the, the stream just kind of came out and flopped down. It was hilarious. Mm-hmm. And it was a joke yes. that was like good. It was good for the adults, but the kids would have no idea that yeah. that was a joke for the adults in there. And it was perfect. That was perfectly pitched. Yeah. Um, there and were a couple of other, other ones, other as, ones well. as well with like the fire hydrant and the. Um, there's a few things that yep. I sent. I even thought that maybe the the you know the twirly thing that like detects ghosts. Oh yeah, no, might be a vagina joke. Yeah, no, that looks like old fashioned. You know, like ye oldy times vibrators from like the 1900s. Yeah. That's what that made me think of a little bit. Yeah, and like it, it, like, got, like a got excited when the ghosts were there yeah. and the girls were all oh a ghost. I thought that might yeah. be like a sex joke as well, but it's or, so subtle. And yeah. there are, there are quite a few actually subtle jokes. There's one really funny joke right at the beginning that I don't think a lot of people caught. That's like. He built a fence to keep the Irish out of his house, which oh, is yeah. clearly a Donald Trump yeah. reference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The 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 anti-Irish fence, but there was another one too. Like, and this is where P.T. Barnum first had the idea for enslaving elephants. Yeah, that one. That, that whole stuff. spiel that he did was hilarious. It was. It was really and really oh, the funny. Fa- face bidet. Yes, he the had face a face bidet. bidet. There were so many little little. Yeah, and they jokes just went one went by one after the other after the other. They were so funny, and people were sort of chuckling, but didn't I think didn't catch a lot of them? Yeah, there was um, more laughing last night, mostly from me, um, in my cinema. But yeah, yeah, there wasn't as much today. Um, they, I think people got into it more, as I said, as the movie goes along. Yeah, because I could hear people laughing lots more behind me as the film went on. Mm-hmm. Whereas this one scene, there was one scene where we were cracking up. I think it was the Kevin. Um, interview, oh, and we were just cracking up, and so people funny. weren't laughing. And I'm like, "But, but I don't get it. This is funny." Well, there are some bits though. That that Kevin interview is one of them, and the cat in the bag thing is another one where they do. It's very, <laughs> it's very like um comedian style humor where they go on with a joke just a little too long. And that so, is the that's I yeah. think that's a style now. That is that is a very popular. Yeah, it's, and style it's a bit. Now. It's a bit. People feel a bit awkward. Yeah. When it goes on too long, and so yeah, yeah, and then some of them push it too 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 long. Like when we saw Trainwreck, um, mm-hmm. they do that a bit, um, and then it becomes funny again because it's been on for so long. But that yeah. I think that is the and style now. Shut up, Chow and to- Paul Feig have actually worked together. They work together on Freaks and Geeks. They mm-hmm. they work together a lot, and the same people work in a lot of their movies together. So I think they might. I wouldn't be surprised if they've actually got some of the same issues and, and John Apatow's got that needs to edit more problem and clearly Paul Feig has got the, oh, I don't want to have to edit. I, I want to make sure I edit enough problem, but he has also let the jokes run on too long and he's had to cut in places that were not necessarily the right places to cut. Yeah, but I see, I feel like that cat in the bag joke went on the right amount of time mm. because I feel like that is the kind of thing where they're arguing and everybody's like, can we get on with this meeting, yep. please? And they just can't let it yep. go. And that worked really well for the characters, especially because the characters are kind of having this. Um, uh-huh. it, it, it's not about the cat in the bag joke. It's about the fact that Aaron is like, everybody didn't believe me when I was a kid. I stopped believing. Now I believe again. I've got to be validated. Mm. And Abby's like, we don't need validation. We have science. Um, and yeah. that's them butting heads over that more than the cat yeah, yeah. thing. And, and everybody is kind of awkward about this argument between the friends that's going on. So that is a symbolic joke that I think works. Yeah. Um, and I like that one as well because, uh, like I said to you before we went to see it, those two remind me of us. Um, 
you're Melissa McCarthy and I'm Kristen Wiig. See, I didn't get it for the first bit of the movie. Then there's a bit with yep. the YouTube comments, which I've also seen stuff about, but I was like, that felt totally organic to this movie. Yeah, because of course their videos went online. Yeah. And then, of course, people are going to be dicks in the comments because people are always dicks in the comments. Yeah. Um, but that, but there's a bit where, she, where Abby's like, don't read those comments. They're terrible. And then she reads one about their equipment. She's like, no, I have to correct them immediately. <laughs> you jerk. And I yep. was like, oh, my God, she is me. Yep. And then when they start fighting in the mayor's office, totally us. Like, because you're uh, the one who's always like, when we get like um, yeah, people and, talking to us, and you're like, just ignore them. And I'm like, no, I have to talk to them. Yeah, and also I'm the oh, put on a good face, you know. We've got to pretend like we know what we're, we're going on about here. Yeah. So yeah, no, that that was why. Yeah, no, I I get did get that actually. Um, I felt like yeah, as as the movie went on, I was like, oh yeah, I see it. Yeah, <laughs> I did. I thought it was really nice that Melissa McCarthy in this movie really kind of takes a step back mm-hmm. and doesn't use her star power really to like overwhelm this movie and become the center of attention mm-hmm. and she really her character is very subdued and kind of the uh, she and Erin are kind of the straight men of the group mm-hmm. but she is um Erin gets more to do as well whereas she doesn't get quite as much to do but I think it's kind of her that she, she only has a couple of really big moments like when she's getting thrown around with the, the proton pack with yeah. the proton pack but it's not she doesn't have a lot. It's not no, overdone. But she's also the leader of the team. So that is kind of her – that's where she slots into this thing. She's the one who's keeping everybody together. Yeah. I'm not saying she yeah. didn't have a role in it. I'm just saying that she kind of pulled back and let everybody have yeah. their moments rather than being the star of Yeah, the and that's what I really appreciate about this is that she didn't – I've often – I've found in some films that she will kind of go too hard on the physical comedy, like Bridesmaids is, which is neither of us are particularly fond of. Yeah. She goes too hard on the physical comedy and what it ends up happening is it's like – People are laughing at her. At, yeah, at the fat girl being – That was always yeah. the thing that I didn't like and about Bridesmaids. I, yeah, and I, I have trouble with that and I felt like she's gone too far in other films, but this time she actually – everybody gets those moments. Like, And Kristen Wiig probably carries most of the physical comedy – ball mm. and it's, it works because she's the really uptight one so of mm-hmm. course she gets slimed all the time that's how it works and then she's like i feel like the slime is personally attacking me yeah but that joke <laughs> is only funny when you see it in the whole movie and this is where i yeah. think we need to talk about the um advertising for this movie and the pr- the promotional stuff is dreadful honestly i haven't watched much of the trailer i haven't watched the trailers oh, okay because the, the trailers, trailers had I, a lot i of have backlash. i actually take the i'm not going to engage with dickheads on the internet who think this is a bad movie whereas i'm like engage yeah um but so I go full picard on those assholes yeah whereas i'm just like you are too stupid and beneath my d- disdain I, I don't have mm-hmm. i don't want anything to do with these people so i haven't so i really haven't even watched many trailers i didn't know and like i read a, an article about it this morning and i was like that's got real spoilers in it because i had literally not seen anything when i went into this i did not know oh, how the plot was going to go full on spoilers about kevin getting um, yes there are full on spoilers about kevin getting possessed, possessed everywhere and i'm so glad i didn't know about that because it worked really well um and cuz yeah i was like I wonder what they're going to do with him because having just watched the originals and seen um, Janice's role in those, I loved her cameo in this yeah, movie. She by the way, she was cameo. She, I think she even had the best cameo because it's like it's a real nod to her. Well, that hers and Bill Murray's. Bill Murray had the best role, but I think as a cameo, her, hers works so well because it is a nod to her original role. Yeah, she's in a similar role, but not the same one, and she's so it's it's quite funny, and she gets quite a bit to do in just a minute yeah yeah like she really has a defined personality Where, in that yeah. minute whereas bill murray's cameo to me felt a lot like some of the roles he plays in the wes anderson films 
Like it felt like that Bill Murray. See, I, but I did think I think he worked really well. In oh, fact, I, I, I really loved him, and I he loved could be instead of a cameo, just a role in the movie. Mm-hmm. Have him be in opposition, and I think that's part of the choppiness of this movie. They they have too many like people uh, antagonists working against them in little bits. I thought that maybe having one antagonist for a lot of the movie, and then it turns out that Rowan is the antagonist at the end, would have yeah. maybe made the script. I, I feel like the script could just be a little bit tighter and a little bit more story driven rather than gag driven. Yeah. And it is very character driven. I think yeah. the characterization stuff works quite well, but I think that just the story needs to be a bit tighter. Yeah, I, I have to admit, with Bill Murray, I'm annoyed they chucked him out the window so early. I feel like they, yeah, they could have done more with him. Yeah. Um, and he he would have been funny. And, it could, and then we could have turned him out, out the window later. later. And but funny. also have it turn out that he's working with the mayor to, to undermine them so that, you know, they look bad, like, you know, something like that. I guess that. so. I didn't see the mayor as um, purposefully antagonistic. No, I felt he, like he, he was, just wants to, like, I didn't think that that would work. Maybe if he was working with, well, the mayor's assistant is really the kind of mastermind behind that or the, the um, if he was working with the Homeland Security guys, that would have been mm. really funny. But yeah, yeah, but with what some figure of authority who doesn't want them wanted out there that it's true. Yeah. I feel like that would have worked well together. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was still amazing. That shot where he turns up in their offices, which are a Chinese restaurant, in his like three piece suit and hat and all that, just beautifully framed, looks amazing, and it's such a Bill Murray entrance. I loved the new digs, by the way. Like, <gasps> so good. I was almost disappointed when they went to the old fire station because mm-hmm. I was like, no, but the the Chinese restaurant stuff is so. Like it works so well for these guys. Mm-hmm. Oh, and the, you got you got a real sense of the place. Like mm. you got a sense of where it was outside and the, the restaurant booths that are there, where they all end up hanging out at the table and the dodgy toilets, and you really got a sense of the space. Mm. And it worked really well for them, I think. Yeah, um, I thought that was really nice. I think that a lot of the stuff, like aesthetically, I think this movie works great. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the aesthetics of it are really clever, but I do feel like it was a bit unfocused. Um, story-wise and I think that's where a lot of the problems come from that it was unfocused story-wise and they were they were trying too hard to make it consistently funny in every scene rather than maybe do some scenes that are more story-based because it's already nearly two hours long and I still felt like there was bits cut out yeah um but that's and they also there's a lot of they try really hard to kind of hit some marks from the original and also let everybody have a cameo Um, I did feel like the Sigourney Weaver cameo especially she was funny but it felt a bit forced um, um, yeah, I have to say though, the bit with the Sigourney Weaver cameo, when she appeared, I like physically gasped the first time I saw her because I was like, oh, yes, she's here. Yeah. Um, I wasn't that big on the actual scene itself. Um, but yeah. The thing, thing is, the scene itself is a throwaway credit scene. Yeah. And it, it, if, if they wanted her to be in it, I feel like they should have given her a little bit more to do. And I feel like that, again, that was a focus on the comedy of it. Mm. Like, oh, um, safety lights are for boys, which is really funny. Mm. But, it feels like a comedy moment more than a story moment. It doesn't need to be there. It's got no place in it. Mm. Um, and the Dan Aykroyd feel- scene kind of worked, but to me felt a bit the same where it's not really necessary for the story, whereas both, like, um, um, I can't remember her name, the secretary, Janice. I can't remember the actress's name. I feel really bad. Yeah. Um, but her scene slotted really nicely. It just you would have had that person anyway. That you would yeah. have had somebody in the in the place telling them where the person was, um, unless they just happened across him and it was too convenient. So yeah, um, it was you would have had somebody there anyway, and she just slotted nicely. And and the Bill Murray cameo, as as we said, really propels the plot. Yeah. So that was good. Um, and it also has. 
I like to see, I like how Erin is really uptight at the beginning and sort of comes undone mm-hmm. and then kind of pulls herself together and, and goes and saves Abby, which was a really sweet moment. Yeah. I liked that. And you watch it happen in wardrobe too, like her wardrobe like gets yeah. way less uptight. There's Whoever a, did the wardrobe for this is fantastic. There's a People joke. People were complaining about those suits. Those suits work so well. Yeah. And and there's a joke early on about um when she's still wearing her little skirt suits and high heels about, can you tell us how it feels to wear those shoes all day? And I pissed myself laughing the first time I saw that because I was like, yes, because I work in a job where I have to wear, you know, office type clothes and I never wear heels because heels are the worst. And so he like wearing heels like that every day that are quite high. I'm like, that is just next level commitment to pain. Well, there's a lot of stuff in the movie that I think is really nice that about that because, um, Holtzman and Abby, Always wear really sensible clothes, or yeah, not sensible. Practical. Holtzman is Holtzman has her own style. Yeah, no, she's got like crop tops and overalls and stuff, but she's st- they're all practical clothes. Well, she also she do. wears a suit at one point with like a like a, a, a vest and mm. some pants and a shirt under it. Yes, yes. That I was like, um, also quite um, butch. Uh, butch, yeah, yeah. That that, but like really, it was really great. Yeah, it was to a good see outfit. somebody that like she just expresses herself that way, and it always looks really good, and mm. and it's on screen as like a a positive kind of thing that yeah. she's really butch and she owns it and it looks great. Yeah, um, which I thought was terrific. Yes. Um, really terrific. Uh, and I feel like that's that's just a really nice thing to see. But Patty then also she dresses more outlandishly. There's a bit where they talk about her earrings and a couple she's of like, bits, yeah. Um, if looking fabulous is a crime, then I'm guilty. Kind of really cute. Everybody has their own different way of looking and expressing themselves, and they're all valid. And Abby is really very sensible. Like has her hair up, always wearing you know sensible yep. clothes and flats all the yep. time because she's and, a scientist and right. she has science to do. Damn it, yep. she doesn't have time Whereas to look pretty. Erin is climbing this slippery career pole at the start, and when she's you know trying to make it seem like she's professional and a real scientist, and she's going to get be a tenure professor at Columbia, and you see her become a Ghostbuster, and she's in like it doesn't take long before she's in jeans and sneakers and t-shirts and hoodies. Do you know who and, I wish and was Crocs? In, do you know who I wish was in this movie more? Is Charles Dance? No, he, he was, was great. Funny. I wanted him to be like a main villain or something. I was really disappointed when he wasn't in more than good just the little, beginning. Little cameo, actually, I liked him um, because he also like you need to find uh, um, what was it? You need to get a, a reference from a more mm. prestigious yeah university college and than goes, Princeton. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like he was so snobby and so so over the top mm. that I thought he would be fun. Um, he was fun, and I, I that's a character we see. Actually, there's an interesting thing about that character because that's a character we see all the time. Like the snobby the boss who's getting in your way and who won't get you let you get what you want but he's also there's like this sly bit of misogyny in there that he then realizes what he's done when he says oh what about your clothes and she's like what too sexy and like he's he just <laughs> Which they're not but no they're the opposite of that and he just kind of backs out of the room and he realizes he's done something wrong that sort of mm. benign misogyny in there so it was this interesting like intersection of this character that's always around there's always a, you know a boss who won't let you get your way and then that kind of slots in there as well but it's but like it like the YouTube comments thing, it all, it just fits naturally into the story. Yeah, it's not it's not like it's brought attention to. It's just part of what happens when you move through the world when you're a female physicist trying to get to the top of that game. And uh, while we're talking about, it, I want to get into this this Melissa McCarthy thing, where people say she only does fat jokes, she only plays one character, um, she's always calling attention to herself, and she's always over the top, and and people really hate her. And I've never seen her that way. Now, to be fair, the first time I ever saw Melissa McCarthy was Gilmore Girls. Yeah, see, I love her because I think because I first saw her Suki 
like, you know, happy best friend, like the kind of person you want to be around all the time. But so I've seen there be jokes where it's like, um, like in Bridesmaids where there's a bit where she's hitting on her the, her boyfriend and she's being really over-sexualized and it's like, oh, isn't it funny that the fat girl is really horny? Yeah, her, well, he's plane. in her real-life husband, but in the movie he's playing her boyfriend. And oh, that's her, right. They yeah. do get together at and the so end, don't they? There I is, that. There's a bit there where I'm a bit – Because he's not her boyfriend at that point. He's just – a, um, a guy, yeah. No, and, he's and a, he's a, um, what do they call Homeland's, the federal agents? Oh, Marsh, Air yeah. Marshals. Yep. So he, but she's doing that. And that joke to me, I think probably crossed a line insofar as the, in that film, there's a lot of jokes about how, haha, isn't it funny that the fat girl's so horny? Do you know what? I think that that film would be received different. I would feel differently about it now than I did then because at that point it felt like that. But now it's like, that's more what Melissa McCarthy does in a lot of her movies. And I can see that I can see what she was doing with that character now. Whereas then it just felt like, haha, the fat girl is sexy, but now it feels a bit different. And I do think that like, if that movie had been made later in her career, I would feel yeah. differently about it. Um, because in that movie, I did really genuinely feel like people are just laughing at her for being the fat girl, but that's not really the kind of jokes that she does. And people, seem to think it is and when you watch the heat and spy especially they're very different firstly to say that they're the same character is bananas to me they're such different characters but also like she is always in in charge of her own image and her own thing and like in spy the joke is that she starts out really like um schlubby and and like uh not schlubby but like plain and she never does anything exciting and she's really boring and and she's uh I can't remember the word that I'm trying to say, but you know, the girl with 10 cats and all that sort of stuff. And everybody sees her that way, but that's not who she really is when she gets to express herself in these high pressure situations. Mm. She's like really tough and intense and, and all that Has sort of stuff. Wicked martial arts skills. Yeah. Right. So like the joke in spy is that people see her a certain way and then underestimate her, but they never talk about it being because she's a woman or because she's fat. They never do that. And they don't do that in the heat either. They never ever say, Oh, she's a fat woman. She can't do things. No. Uh, and, and and this movie does the same thing. Yeah. They never say because they're girls. Or there's one that says bitches can't be Ghostbusters. Yeah, and and at one point Rowan as as Kevin shouts out, "You shoot like girls." Yes, but then they also were making fun of him and his yeah. virginity and stuff. There's a kind yeah. of a, um, but yeah, that that is that kind of thing. But they never say it's that, that they can't do their jobs because they're women. They don't say um, there's fat girls on this team and they're useless. That doesn't actually – that's never actually said, but it's all implied in these little things around the, the corners of the movie, like just at the edges of it. And I think that's a really clever way of going about that yeah. sort of thing. It actually comes – goes to something that I said in the Spy podcast when we did that one, is that it's not about fat jokes. It's about moving – it's about moving through the world as a fat woman mm. and it never ignores – the truth of the fact that she moves through the world as a fat woman. And this movie also never ignores the fact that these women move through the world as um, as women, as fat women in some cases, as black women in other cases, as gay women in other cases. And it, it, it acknowledges that truth and it's there in places. Like there's a joke – or it's, it's not a joke. There's, a, there's the scene of the concert where the crowd does not um, – won't catch Leslie Jones – yeah. Um and it's acknowledged as part of moving through the world in that body as that person, but it's not like 
it, it's not like the whole aspect of being that person. And that's a real subtlety that I think a lot of people fail to grasp. And yeah, I do agree with you on that. And I also think that like the reason that that works so well is that like I feel like if there were more guys out there who were willing to be thoughtful about that sort of mm. thing because they think they are and then you watch the movies and you're like, dude, no, you did yeah. not get so, that point. Yeah, so there are guys who try and like, you know, good on you for trying but they miss the point. It's a bit like, um, I don't know if you ever watched the TV show Transparent. Um, no, I did not So I have, I've heard so much about it that I was like, also it's a drama and you know yeah. that straight okay, dramas so, are never my thing. So I have some issue with that show. The biggest issue I have is it's not about Maura, it's about her kids and their reaction to her transition and it's and all and all it focuses on is on her transition and her awful awful children and i couldn't watch any more of it because these children are such terrible terrible people and they're so horrible to her but it's never about her she's almost always othered yeah it's all about how yeah. it affects somebody else and not about them yeah i feel like that about a lot of things in movies a lot of things which is why in these comedies it's actually working because because of the the in comedy, the scope for improvisation and things like that, and, and for the actors to suggest the jokes. Mm-hmm. I think that's why. I think um, Paul Feig is apparently an amazing person to work for, and it seems like he fosters a, that kind of sort of collaborative yeah, no atmosphere. Kidding. That, I mean, I don't work yeah. for him, but no, like, you can just tell. Yeah, and and he fosters that collaborative atmosphere where he's actually willing to listen to people's mm-hmm. ideas and let them have their their space. And yes, that's probably the reason for some of the problems that we talk about earlier on where it gets choppy and there's not enough attention paid to the actual story and getting us from parts A to B and explaining See, that the was science. One of the things I like so much about Spy is yeah. the story is great as well. Yeah. I love that movie. I, I love that movie as well. Um, <laughs> I'm just thinking about it now and I'm like, I'm like, I'm literally laughing because I'm thinking about scenes from Spy. Yeah. Anyway. And there's also probably something in there about Paul Feig being a nerd and like non-gender conforming. He's not a macho guy. He's not into toxic masculinity at all. There's probably something about the fact that he has moved through life as a man that um, other men consider effeminate or that um, who, who's someone who's – and he was also a nerd as well. He, he made freaks and geeks and that was all about his own experiences. He's probably got some inbuilt sensitivity because of having moved through the world as someone who doesn't conform to how you, you're supposed to be. Mm. Um, so there's probably something there. Yeah, and to kind of cycle back, all of this is stuff that we've just been talking about is such a good reason why it's such a good thing that this Ghostbusters is Ghostbusters with all women in it. Mm-hmm. The thing that people hated so much about it and immediately backlashed against it and went, that's not the real Ghostbusters because it has girl cooties. Um, I think the fact that they didn't go, oh, it's a sequel and we'll have a couple of girls in it. Now girls can also be Ghostbusters. See, you can be that one white girl in the group. Yeah. So, well, and that- in fact, Paul Feig was offered that film he was offered a ghostbusters 3 a few years back with like um with the old guys training some new guys and one girl yeah and that's why this movie is so great for not doing that and for just having women and for having women like uh, for having a woman of color in it um i actually walked out of the cinema and saw a little black girl looking at the poster of, mm. of leslie jones um but yeah it's this is why it's so exciting to have this kind of representation and also leslie jones was on the view mm-hmm. and she was just fangirling Whoopi Goldberg so hard. You should watch that video. It's oh, adorable. She I'll was put like, in the show notes. She looks like me. She looks like me. Yeah. Talking about all the younger version of herself seeing her and going, I can do comedy because yeah. this is a woman that looks like me. Yeah. On TV doing comedy. Um and, and which is how you and I probably look at Melissa McCarthy. Right. Like yeah. she's here's a woman who looks like us, who has the same name as me even. Like and 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 she, look at her. She's doing amazing stuff. Yeah. Exactly. And, and, uh, and that's why one of the reasons why the fat jokes thing riles me so much. I'm like, she doesn't do fat jokes. She does jokes and she's fat. 
But also, a lot of the physical comedy is stuff that you could see other people oh, doing. Oh, yeah. And, in, and that's what I mean. Like, and Kristen Wiig actually takes on a lot of the physical comedy. She does yeah. he, She does pratfalls and stuff in this one as well. But that's the thing is that making making this a, a Ghostbusters that has women, that features women, mm. rather than being another one, why couldn't they just be a couple of women? Why couldn't all that sort of stuff? No, this is the point, is that, like, we are – equal <laughs> that we are we can do the same things as men they can they they did exactly the same thing in this movie that they did in the original movie they went out and they hunted ghosts and they were funny and they you know told jokes and and yep. they did all the stuff that men did and like people say oh melissa mccarthy couldn't physically do all that stuff well dan Aykroyd did it in the first she one clearly did all this stuff right yeah I- there's a, also a great clip I've seen so much of this behind-the-scenes stuff, but there's a great clip where she's talking about how heavy the packs are and how it's easier to carry Kate McKinnon, and Kate McKinnon just climbs on her <laughs> like a monkey and she carries her. Very cute. Um, but, yeah, all that stuff is like, this is why we need a a Ghostbusters that only has women in it. This is why we need, or not only, you know, Chris Hemsworth yeah. is there and other char- male right. characters and, there. And, this is why we need a Ghostbusters that features yeah. women as the main characters. So people go, oh, look. Women can, like, little girls look at them and go, I can be a Ghostbuster too. To acknowledge that, that moving through the woman is, and in the world is different, but also that we can do whatever. Yeah. And, and there is a subtle shift. There is, I was coming home in the car last night with my husband, who also really liked this movie, by the way. And he said, but I think, um, for you, it's different because for you, you've actually got characters you can relate to. And I kind of, it clicked with me. And I, I was like, yeah, I felt more relaxed watching this because I, I'm actually watching someone who's like me. Mm. Um, and I'm not used and to it's that. Not that. It's not even that we can't relate to men. We've spent our but whole lives yeah, empathizing the, and relating no, yeah, to men. No, that's what I mean. It's the subtle shift from having spent your whole life pretending to be one of the male Ghostbusters or whatever or pretending to be Frodo or pretending to be Harry Potter or whoever it is that you've related to your whole life. And we ha- we do that. There is actually a shift and it feels different when you have someone who is actually like you that you relate to. Yeah. And it probably it probably bumps my rating of this movie up half a star. Because I had that came out of it with that feeling, and it's probably something I didn't even know was happening, but mm. it's just so nice. Yeah, so nice. I would like to point out that a lot of the more positive reviews are coming from women, and a lot of the less positive re- reviews for this movie are coming from men. There was a percentage well, the, chart online somewhere, uh, yeah. but but it's still on Rotten Tomatoes, which has about twenty percent women critics. It's still it's still, high. still three and a half out of five, seventy five percent. Yeah, um, The Guardian gave it a four-star review, male reviewer gave it a four-star review this week and has been copying all kinds of shit because of it. Yeah, I'm not trying to say that men didn't give it. Like, yeah. I, I just think that reviewers are going to see this. They're watching it as a movie. They're going, yeah. oh, yeah, this was good. These are the flaws with it. Um, But, you know, this was an enjoyable movie and people are going, you're lying. Somebody paid you and all that sort of stuff because it doesn't match up with what their yeah. expectations and, of and what the is, they should feel about I, the movie. I don't is. think that's a wrong rating. I, I'll, I'm going to rate it slightly higher than three and a half out of five, but not much. I think they're kind of right. I think they are pr- the critics who the critic reviews that are coming in, it's sitting at around three and a half, four stars. That's they've got that right. So, what's your rating? Four out of five. Okay. Um, I will give it three and a half out of five. Um, I think. See for. I do think that I also maybe bumped it up half a star because I think that if I had seen this movie without all of the fun of getting to see these girls doing these things, um, it probably would have been three. I think the story problems were significant enough mm. and that would really bother me. But I'm going to bump it up half a star for really good cast and really good chemistry it, and getting it, to see 
women do cool things. It's a movie that feels more fun than it should be based on the technical aspects yeah, of the a, film. It's a movie that its its whole is better than the sum of its parts. Yeah, and I I just had I felt so wonderful coming out of it. Like I I was ready to last night when I watched it without you. I was ready to text you about. 45 minutes in to say, oh, my God, I have to watch this again. Please come watch this again with me. And I, I I was crushed, by the way. I saw that message and I was like, I've had to wait all week and you got to see it already. Yeah, I know. But I also I also have to play I have to play off two significant relationships here. One I'm married <laughs> to, one is you, who I'm not actually technically married to. And I like I have to live with one of you and both of you get mad if I see things bef- with, without <laughs> you. And, okay, so I have to play to, off. I haven't been mad. Yeah, but neither of you are happy. <laughs> neither of you are happy about it, and he gets more mad if I see things without him. So, I've made my choices. Oh yeah, with with all my problems with the movie, I could easily watch it again. Um, it's so it feels so fun. There's so many movies at that, the moment as well. That music, Star Trek is next. Week. Yeah, and that music. Like there was a reason I drove to your house with the music blaring. Actually, and put the it music. On. Um, <laughs> we're we're really over time. The music was an interesting point because I think a lot of the musical cues are really good. But then the music is not quite as good. Mm. Um, some of the songs in this were great. I love Walk the Moon, and I liked their cover. And and Walk the Moon have Renee this sensibility about them, sensibility about them already. Mm. Um, but I don't think the Fallout Boy that one is that great. Is and I feel not. like a few, there's a few stings in this movie that didn't quite like. I was like, yes, this is a perfect time to have mu- music. That is not the music that I would have hoped for at this moment. The, the um, I do quite enjoy the scene with Kate McKinnon and the blowtorches. That was hilarious. That is a great scene. To, I can't is remember this the name. The barge. I thought it was Devo. Yeah, that was that was very funny. Like a a sort of a dumb like weird joke that that made me laugh quite hard. Actually, that was one. That wasn't the one. I I don't know. I think there's something about that that original Ghostbusters music because I was I was saying to you after the film that Ghostbusters the two, stolen music. Yes, apparently stolen music. Ghostbusters two tries to do a cover of the original Ghostbusters theme as well as this, and this one does as well by Fallout Boy. And neither case is it successful, um, because that original music is so iconic and mm. so good. And there are points at which they use it really well. They use it right at the start, um, mm. and they do this really cool. Actually, the the start, the opening credits is really cool. After we've had the scene at the um the Aldridge Mansion, all the credits so good. Yeah, oh my god, the end credits are amazing. They keep you engaged the whole time. But those are the first credits. They they play the just the beginning of the song up to Ghostbusters. Like they don't actually get to the lyrics really, other than Ghostbusters. But it's um it's shown over some uh, I think nineteen eighties quality film stock as well of New York City. That and, is really interesting. That the nineties eighties yeah. film nineteen eighties film stock versus this. I also think um with that stuff, it's almost like I I know what they were doing with the movie, but I'd almost rather watch a movie where they just barred. B- battle the Aldridge ghost for a whole movie or something like that. Like it just that could have made an interesting story in and of itself. Like, yeah, like historical buildings where something terrible has happened and like it, you get you know it gets bigger. Like she was an interesting looking ghost, and there was that that painting which calls back to the painting in Ghostbusters too. There's a sense now that everything has to be really big by the end of the movie for it to work. Yes, and I don't think that's always true. I think sometimes smaller movies are good, like The Conjuring too. <laughs> of all movies that I saw recently is so effective and it's got like a low body count. There's no gore. It's just so scary. And it's just a family and these two people, like, two families essentially. Mm. But yeah, I, I think like, I think scale is a problem. I think going so big and having to have explosions and having to have those huge finales kind of is a problem. Cause I don't think it 
worked organically for this. No, and there's film. some silly stuff as well. Like when um, Rowan becomes the little white ghost and then he takes on corporeal form. Firstly, nobody shoots their proton pack at him when he's still yeah, small. I like know. they all just back out away from him. And then suddenly he grows through the whole building and then he goes around. He destroys heaps of stuff. Like heaps of people would have – this is the no one drives the cars thing. This um, is the Man of Steel problem. Yeah, yeah. I and think he this would is have, ultimately the yeah, Man of Steel problem. And he destroys whole streets and buildings. He must step on a lot of people. He steps on cars and he, he knocks – I loved that shot. Building. God, yeah, I was, loved that shot. It was well done. I don't done. remember why. Like it just – it was the foot coming up and then a little bit sticking to the car and then the flattened car. I loved it. The way, I thought yeah, that was that, so visceral. That yes, that ghost was that those feet were really good the way they sort of stuck to the ground even when he was just walking on the road before he got to the car. Yeah. So cool and visceral. And I just developing that stuff a little bit more. But anyway, we've been talking for an hour. We've already yep. given it ratings. I know. I've deliberately let us run for an hour because I haven't been this excited about a movie since The Force Awakens. Like I oh my not. god, I love The Force Awakens so much. Yeah, and I'm just so excited to be excited about a movie again. And I it's all this is all just making me so very very happy. Um yeah, but I should wrap up. Thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you would like to read our show notes or find old episodes, they'll be on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. If you want to read Katie's review of Ghostbusters or of any other movies that she watches, they're on her blog, silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com. And you can find us on social media, facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens, uh, at screen underscore queens on Twitter and tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com on Tumblr. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.